How are you tonight? It's your girl, No Mercy here. It's Tuesday night, so you already know what time it is. It's time for No Punches Pull with No Mercy. Some of you probably already know who I am. Some of you may not. So I'm your host, uh, Brooke Millbrook, formerly in the fight game known as Brooke No Mercy Dior. I'm a retired professional boxer, held the WBC lightweight title. And now, as of 2022, I'm inducted into the International Women's Boxing Hall of Fame. Um, I've been through some good, some ups, bads, some BS in the sport of boxing. Um, this is my platform where we talk the talk and we walk the walk. We're going to bring out the truth in women's boxing. So you'll hear from some pioneers, past boxers, current boxers, future champions, uh, a little bit from all of them and hear the stories that uh, all of us have been through. Um, you don't want to miss it. Um, today's show, hopefully you guys caught the title, it's called, we're doing an interview with Melissa Smith, author, advocate, and connoisseur of women's boxing. Everyone that's joining me today, this special guest is such an amazing woman. Um, I am honored to call her a friend. She's a huge advocate for women's boxing. She's also an author of, the author of A History of Women's Boxing, and currently writing a new book scheduled to release next year. She's got a blog, Girl Boxing and also is co-host on War Room talking all about boxing as well. Everybody help me welcome in Melissa Smith. Hi, Melissa. How are you? Hey, Brooke. How are you? Thank you. (laughs) I am so excited to have you here with me today. Thank you for joining me on my show. Thank you. How, How have you been since the induction? Been good. It was so exciting when we inducted you along into the class of 2022. I think we're still really excited about it because we had a great showing and we're getting geared up for the 10th anniversary this coming October 6th and 7th. And that is really going to be such an exciting opportunity to continue to really um, display the brilliance that is women in the boxing game. Yes, yes, definitely. We're going to definitely talk about that tonight, too. Um, So I figured we'd start off kind of like hit the rewind button and go back to like the beginning of your love for boxing. Um, Tell everybody how your boxing journey began. Where did it start and how did your strong love for boxing like where did it all begin? Well, you know, to tell you the truth, I grew up on the Lower East Side of Manhattan um, and in the 19, in the early 1960s, and there would be kids out on the street boxing, you know, showing off their moves. And, you know, we're, we're talking eight, nine, 10 year old boys. I was seven, eight, nine, 10 years old. And I watched them. I go, wow, that's really cool. I want to do that. But I just didn't kind of have the imagination for me actually doing it. And then my brother was taking boxing at at the boys club. And I was like, dang, I really want to do that. So I had an uncle show me the one-two, and I was so proud of myself because I could turn a jab. You know, I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. But right, figure out that I could actually do it for many, many decades later. And I was actually um, in my early 40s when I walked into Gleason's gym in Dumbo, Brooklyn, and said, I can do this. I, I can train. I can learn how to It's box. never too late. It's never too late. <laughs> it's never too late. And, and I still do it. You know, I'm in my late sixties and I still hit the gym and work out with my trainer, uh, Lennox Blackmore, who's a former Commonwealth lightweight champion. And, and I, 
and out of all of that, um, that experience of, of overcoming my own fears about my physical being, if you will, mm -hmm. I was able to have that journey into the power that is boxing for women in particular, especially in my generation, you know, we, we were always, we never really allowed to show our physical power. We were always told to be quiet. You, you know, mm -hmm. our inside voice was our outside voice and everything else. Yeah. So, and literally, Brooke, the first time I ever sparred, I burst into tears hitting somebody. Yeah. It was just like a little tap. And I just, the tears are streaming out, out of my eyes. I was like, get me out of here. Oh, so no. I had to take my gloves off, my, my mask, everything. It was just so freaked out yeah. by that process. of. of it's very of intense, experience. especially very when intense. you first start. Very, very intense. Yeah. Um, I know my oldest daughter, we tried to get her just for self-defense and she's very, probably had the same, we never made her spar or anything or had her spar. We never got that far, but she probably would have had the same reaction because she just didn't want to hit anything. Just, right. no. um, so yeah, I could, I can picture that. I didn't quite have that reaction, but I think, I think the, the hardcore fighters, we have a different mindset, I guess, when we're in there, you kind of just turn it on and off. Yeah, you do. And, you know, certainly now I don't have a problem. <laughs> it takes it was, a while. You got to get there. It, it, for me, I had to get there and I had to overcome my own fear of power. And I yes. think it was much less about hitting someone. And releasing more it. About an expression of, a, of power. Yes. Of my own power. And, you know, and you're telling yourself it, that it's okay. Like, I exactly. Okay Giving myself permission to be mm -hmm. my full being as a physical being which right. I think for women, especially, as I said, in my generation in particular, where we were never allowed to really have any expression physically, um, it was quite an, quite an extraordinary experience. And out of it, um, you know, I started to write about it and really learn more about the female experience. Then I went um, back to college in my 50s, got my degree, then went on and got a master's degree in my 50s. And... Um, what I was studying ended up doing a thesis on the gender binary, how, you know, the, the, the notions of what is male and what is female. And then I examine women's boxing and say, well, how does that fit in? Right. Because it's constantly in and out. You know, all, most of us are raised on the idea that boxing is this hyper-masculine sport. Well, guess right. what? Women do it too, and they do it really, really well. Yes, and, yes, they do. And the boxing body has nothing to do with gender. And a point, a case in point is, I think it was in 2011, the then head of uh, the International Boxing uh, Amateur Boxing Association, Dr. Wu, was saying that he wanted to change the uniforms for the amateur boxing. He wanted women to start wearing skirts. Of course, amateur women were like, hell no, we're not going and some a reporter asked him, Michael Rivest, who's a was a, a boxing writer for Ring Magazine, and then uh, had a column up in Albany. He asked him. He said, "Why are you doing this?" Right. Dr. Wu said, "Well, the problem is when people watch boxing on television, they all have the helmets on, and they can't tell if it's a girl or a boy." Now think about that. Think about that. To me, what that said to me was that women's 
boxing the, had evolved to the point where their boxing body, how they move in space, was exactly the same, same. as their brothers in the ring. Yes. Yeah, and if you can't Dr. tell the difference. Wu, yeah, what Dr. Wu was expressing was this construct that people watching were uncomfortable with the idea that gender wasn't playing a part. Right. Because they knew girls were boxing, right? Right. Women are in the elites. This was a yeah. year before the Olympics. Right. And that was the level of discomfort. It never, what happened on the uniform side was they didn't make it mandatory, but each boxing, national boxing organization had the option to mandate that women wear skirts. So in the United States, they wear shorts. In yeah. Poland, in 2012, they were wearing skirts. Skirts. So. I mean, I. <laughs> that's like a whole topic in itself, isn't it? About the it, whole general neutral thing and, oh, and the bias and trying to make everybody. It's just it, we're all one. Like I, I, I hope I'm alive to see the day when boxing just becomes boxing. I highly yeah. doubt it, but when we can just say boxing and not separate the two because we're all the same. Um, and I've always told people, I feel like women have to work twice as hard as the men, even back in the day, even today, still, um, you know, women are mothers. The, you know, the guys can easily just go off for camp and like, they're just focused. Um, yeah. I mean, there's very few women, maybe more so some today that can just train and not work. But I know everybody I in my generation and past beyond that all the way up till recently. I mean, you worked a full time job, you trained on the side, you're also a mother and a wife, and you you just do it all. So I think it's harder. It, women work harder than the men. Have yeah, to. you know, I, I've, I've uh, as I said, I, I'm at a Gleason's gym, that's my home gym. And, and I have the good fortune to, you know, have stable mates like Heather Hardy and Alicia Ashley. And Heather Hardy is a perfect case in point. She yes. has never, ever in her entire career had a camp that wasn't her stealing four or five extra hours a day from her very busy life being a single mother, raising yeah. a daughter, having to work full time, you know, as a trainer in the gym, which is it's not a seven hour day. It's not an eight hour no. day. It's you show up at six o'clock for your six o'clock client and you're there at nine o'clock at night for your nine o'clock client. Yes. And she would steal those extra four hours a day, sparring in between training, doing the, the you know, all the, the, the road work over the Brooklyn bridge in between training. Yeah. And she's 40 years old. She's a champion. Mm -hmm. She has a fight coming up. Guess what she's doing? She's stealing those hours out of her yep. day. You have to. You have That's to. That's it. I mean, I can That's remember when, when I was doing it at the end, of, even more so at the end. But I mean, I worked a I worked a nine to five, got off work, picked up the kids, the husband. We went to the gym. We're there for like six to nine, you know, mm -hmm. six to eight, six to nine, doing our work. And you, you, the kids lived in the gym. My kids grew up in the gym. My my oldest ones. Um, they just stable mates helped out with the kids. That's just what exactly. you did. You know, yeah. we all were a family and they just helped out and they, they were there with me in training. And then we went home and 
grabbed dinner and went to bed and did it all over again. So it's, it's not, it's not easy. Um, it's definitely not an easy road for, for anybody for that matter. But I, I think no. most, most of the men leave for, or are they in a training camp, like off to themselves for those four to eight oh, yeah. weeks. Can you imagine if you would have six weeks to, to go train? I can't even imagine what I kind of, I mean, I think I was always in pretty decent shape, but if I had six weeks of just training, I don't, I'd be a whole exactly. other person. I would have been a whole nother person. So yeah, that's, that's a good one. Uh, women's boxing channel pipes in. Hey guys, how are you? He says, um, oh, he wants to add pie for you. Tough question. So what it's not a tough you? question. I, I see it. And then oh, the question is, okay. you know, that she failed a, a pet test and blamed it on a period. And it's actually the, it's the truth. She had taken, she was prescribed a certain type of, um, she has a tendency to have really uh, difficulty with her menstruation cycle. Yep. It's, it's on record. There's nothing mysterious about that. She uh, was prescribed a medication to take for the third week when that happens. What she didn't understand were that one of the ingredients was actually part of the PED test. Okay. She ended up finding out after the test, that's an education process. She certainly apologized for that. There's nothing nefarious or underhanded about it. That's all it was. No, it's I mean, I've never, life. yeah, I've never had the pleasure to meet Heather Hardy in person, but I have spoken to her and no, I wouldn't call foul play whatsoever at all in that scenario. No. Um, and and the thing is, different. it was a good education because, you know, pets, pets testing for, um, for that, those drug tests that are something new for a lot of women boxers. Okay. And th there's also changes as to what the panel of tests are going to be, because there's a lot of changing rules and regulations, some right. are more stringent than others. And mm -hmm. in her case, she didn't really, I mean, she's the first to admit it. I didn't educate myself enough. Her team didn't educate themselves enough. They just didn't understand enough about the, the complexities right, the of what the they were doing. Right. She accepted the responsibility for that and certainly will never have that happen again because she has gotten educated. But it was an it, it was an important lesson for all females. For all females in particular. Probably none of them knew. Because yeah. you know, you know the, the main things, you know, anabolic steroids, all of those things, but these little other things that may be slipped into yeah, a general medication. Um, was something yeah. that she hadn't been educated enough about and needed needed to do that and will do that in the future and is doing that. Yes. Um, yeah. So, of course, she just said the team obviously didn't educate enough as well. Um, in light of that, what do you think about Connor Ben's case? I don't know enough about the medications that the um, I know he tested positive i believe that was for an illegal steroid but i don't know enough about that particular case to opine but i think that that was a rather known substance but i don't know enough so i'm going to not be able to react yeah, to gonna, we do know a lot about the heather yeah, party gonna... case because we covered it at the time okay got you all right um so we kind of went back to the beginning we got the the start of melissa's process and journey with boxing um so then next i want to talk about the first book a history of women's boxing um can you tell us um like how you well you kind of 
got into how you got into the process of writing it and why. Um, what was like the inspiration behind the book? And can you give the readers who haven't or the listeners uh, who haven't read it like a little bit about the book in case they want to go sure, buy it? Absolutely. Um, so I, uh, I, as I had mentioned, I had gone back to school to get a, a, a master's degree. And um, as part of that process, I wrote a, a, a thesis on women's boxing as uh, as a test of the boundaries between of the gender binary and and how um, how that has been very changeable, almost you know decade by decade. Right. And as part of that, one of the things that I was very difficult in writing the thesis was that there was so little written about the sport. There are a few really wonderful academics who have done research essentially starting in the 90s. So just like around the time that I was writing this, they had maybe been in it a few years before. Mm -hmm. I was writing my thesis in 2000, began it in 2010, finished it in 2012. There were maybe three or four academics, one in particular, a woman named Jennifer Hargraves in the United Kingdom who did wonderful work documenting um, the early years of women in the sport, th literally 300 years ago in the 1720s. Nice. So that kind of gave me some places um, to start. There are a few other academics in the United States, Canada, and and um, in the United Kingdom, but there was no history of the sport, literally. Right. And when I went through, I don't know, like bookshelves worth of boxing books and there would be like one mention of one boxer you know this much on right, christy like martin that's it you know yeah. it's like it never existed before christy martin showed up on on, right. a, on a card with you know with with, with deirdre Cogarty. yeah so i did a lot of original research i pulled things out of the air found them um and then um uh, was actually approached by a publisher, Roman and Littlefield, who eventually published my book, to say, listen, you know, we're expanding our titles for women's boxing, and we would like to offer you the opportunity to write a history of the sport. And I just went, oh, my God, what an amazing opportunity. Yeah. So uh, I, I, it took me two years to do, or a year and a half, really, of uh, intense writing and researching and um, luck, I was able to really avail myself of a lot of online newspaper research, digital research opportunities from the United Kingdom, literally going back to the 1700s, you can find yeah. newspaper stories. Nice. So I was able to do a lot of original research by combing through these records and archives and, and wove a story of women in the sport, as I said, that essentially began in the 1720s when a man named James Fig essentially invented boxing as we know it, it was it was called prize fighting, and they would have a, a short little wooden sword in one hand called a cudgel, and a fist in the other, and the fist would hold like a, a pound or something, you know, some some amount of money, and they would have to hold it in their fist. They'd have the sword, and they would sword fight and hit each other. <laughs> Which to try to hand. get them to either knock them out or get them to drop the coin so they lose. And women okay. began to do that as well. And um, they came up with a concept of rounds. Okay. And sort of, it wasn't just squared off, was uh, typically in a, in a space, they were like amphitheaters. 
that would be that were developed or in fairgrounds and it's kind of more like a circle and they would fight within the circle okay and, and women became quite popular um performers of this it was in in theaters and basically open air theaters and on fairgrounds uh, interestingly in england the concept of boxing shows and fairgrounds went on for another 200 years or 300 right. almost 300 years so the boxing booth kind of idea. Right. So women started boxing in the 1720s. And uh, my book talks about the ups and downs of women's participation in the sport, both as practitioners, as, as performers, but also as um, managers and referees and judges and all the other ancillary roles that women have come to play, even as uh, people who observed the fights, there were periods of time when it was illegal for women to attend fights. And then there would be periods of time when women were encouraged to attend fights. Right. So I, I my approach to the book was to um, write about sort of decade by decade, century by century, pretty much, um, and look at the culture where women's roles were in the culture and then how boxing expressed that. Okay. Okay. Um, and those of you that want to purchase the book, I believe Amazon, right? Is where you Yes. Or, it's called the history of women's boxing. It's available on amazon.com. You can get it as hardcover, softcover, or as an ebook. Okay. Awesome. 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 Um, oh, women's boxing. Okay. Thanks. No, don't worry about deviating. That's what we're here for to answer questions live. We'll come back to the question we're working on. You can ask whatever you like. That's why we're here. <clears throat> Angie, you know, Angie Passmore. Mm -hmm. Hi, Angie. Inductor. Yes. Um, Melissa, love your history. I started boxing at 40. Thank you for the backstory with Heather. I didn't know what actually happened. And she is one of my, and I got something in front of my thing. Yeah. <laughs> She is one of my favorite fighters going back to school at 50. You're such a strong woman and very inspiring. I appreciate you coming on here and sharing your experience. So do I, Angie. <laughs> Thank you. No, going back to school at, in my 50s was the best thing I ever did for myself. It was like a dangling participle not having ever actually completed my BA. I had more credits than I needed, just never strung them together. And getting my BA at the age of 56 and getting my master's degree at the age of 59 were extraordinary. And I never felt so proud of myself to tell you the truth nice. than, than that experience. Yeah. I know um, several people that have gone back late and they're just the, the feel of joy and like, kind of like relief that they feel because they finally mm -hmm. did it. Like it's never too late. I always tell people that it doesn't matter what you want to do. It's never too late. You can do anything if you just put your mind to it and, and work hard at it. Yeah. Um, so um, next thing I want to talk about is your blog, Girl Boxing. Um, mm -hmm. Tell people where they can watch it, like what to expect on the blog, um, when it airs, things like that. For those of, uh, that are new in here and don't are familiar with your blog. Sure. So uh, uh, I started my girl uh, girlboxing.org blog in, in 2010. Um, and it was essentially a way of me to write about women's boxing. There was not a lot out there. And I was very much engaged in writing my thesis at the time. So I wanted uh, to practice writing because <laughs> mm -hmm. I wanted to feel confidence in that process. And I was also 
there weren't a lot of voices about women's boxing in 2010, 2011, 2013, 14. There was Sue Fox on WBAN. There still um, really is Archive Network. She's now in her uh, coming to her 25th year. There were very, very few websites. So I started the blog. It was more of a personal journey in terms of um, some of it was about my journey in the sport. A mm. lot of it was reportage. Mm. And because of my unique um, uh, opportunity to, to meet um, professional and amateur fighters through Gleason's Gym, I was able to take advantage of that and do a lot of interviews with boxers over the years. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've, all the local girls, you know, local women's yeah. boxing people from Brooklyn and around New York. Um, so I was able to do interviews and videos um, that I pushed out as content. Over the years, things have evolved. Um, and now, uh, you know, another hat I wear in my life is that I am a caregiver for my husband who has dementia. He has something called frontotemporal dementia. It's less known than Alzheimer's. He's in his um, mid seventies now, otherwise quite healthy, but it's very challenging for him to be able to negotiate life on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. He's not, he's often confused and doesn't necessarily know where he is in time and space. So um, I take it, I, I spend my time most of the time uh, caring for him and making sure he stays safe and try to make him feel that he has community and a place to be in the world and still has value and meaning. So I write about uh, the caregiver experience a lot now to try to um, sort of take my experiences, the highs, the lows, the difficulties, and put out content that's I hope helpful to the community of caregivers and folks who may have a father or a mother with dementia or a, a sibling or a spouse or uh, some other family member or close friend and to de demystify it a little bit and to realize that there is a community out there for you. That you're never alone with right. what you're experiencing and that the idea of I kind of borrow it a little bit from boxing, just like you have a boxing community, you have a boxing family. Yeah. There's also families for other aspects of your life and caregiving is one of them for me. And it's been uh, a really rewarding and fulfilling experience to be able to share my stories of my experiences in that realm and what my husband is going through so that right. it can be a touch point for others who may be in a similar situation yeah. who don't feel as capable of reaching out. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I was definitely going to make sure we talked about that. I, my mother has early onset dementia um, and that's, it's very hard and it's a very touchy subject for me um, because my mom's my best friend. So <clears throat> it's like, I can't really talk to her now on the phone she doesn't remember to call. I'll call. We'll talk for a few minutes. And then if you ask any questions, though, she immediately puts my dad on um, because she doesn't know how to answer the questions. And she feels yeah. embarrassed because she knows it's she knows still knows that it's happening right right now. Um, so then she gets embarrassed. Um, so she'll just get off. So that's a very, very touchy subject for me. It's very hard to me to deal with. Um, my husband also his my mother in law and his aunt also have dementia. Um, and he is the guardian for both of those. So mm. we've kind of got it on uh, both sides there. Um, 
but the, yes, and I, I I applaud you for that. Um, I, his mother stayed with us for a while, um, and it's very very difficult um, to one deal with it all for somebody that so you know you care about and you love, um, and two it's very hard to um, just see them in that state. Um, so you know, yeah, I definitely want to make sure we touched on that and talked about that. Cause that's so awesome that you're doing that. Um, and, and helping other people like learn about it. And there's so much out there that you can learn about and read about and, um, things that you can still do to try to help stimulate the brain and, you know, all these things. Um, but yes, my, uh, my mom, it's been about a year and a half, maybe going on two years since it first started. Um, so it's, it's getting worse. So yeah, it's, um, I used to talk to my mom like every day and now it's like, I get five minutes here and there just because she just, she doesn't know what to say when you start talking about, you can talk about everyday things like the weather and, but if you're like, Oh, what'd you guys do? Or where are you guys at? Or cause they travel now, they travel in their camper and they're both retired. Where you been? What have you been doing? I don't know. And then she's like, Rick, what have we been doing? Where are we at? Like, you know, and then, so then I, I told my dad, I kind of made a joke with him the other, like about six months ago. I said, I think I've talked to you more in the last year than I've talked to you my whole life. <laughs> my dad, he was an over the road truck driver when I was growing up. So he was gone all week home, like on the weekends. Um, so we were always with my mom and I, I used, like I said, I used to talk to her daily, like every day, probably a couple times a day. Um, and now I told him, I said, I seriously think I have spoken to you more the last year than I've spoken to you in my entire life. <laughs> and we both got a chuckle out of it, but it's probably true. Really, actually. Um, so, I mean, I still call and we still talk, but it's just not the same conversation. So um, I definitely applaud you for doing that because I know it's a very difficult um, situation. Yeah, it is. And uh, I, I think that what I'm, what I struggle with and what I'm trying to do for myself is not to normalize the disease. The disease is horrible. Yes. But, but to normalize the experience that, you know, he can come with me where if, if he's able to come with me, he can come with me. Yeah. He may, he may sit there and be, you know, like a fidgety three-year-old sometimes, jumping up and down or, yeah. you know, filled with a little bit of anxiety and he's sitting there going, no, it's okay, it's okay. In the way of a three-year-old, it's a little bit bizarre to becoming your, your husband or, you know, 25 years, he was 75 and treating him like, yeah, but yeah, it, it's, it's fine. And there are stages to it and stages to experiencing it. And, and in my case, we have a very young daughter, she's only 23. So helping her through that process and doing it as a family is also difficult, um, but necessary for us yeah. to move forward. And uh, I, I really understand how painful this is for you and how difficult and that how you have to go through a process of your own sort of under evaluating what your relationship is and has been and why and all of those things. And yeah. you're also grieving the loss of a, of a person that isn't there anymore. And it's very right. difficult. So yeah. 
I don't want to stress you right now. Look, no, go back I'm to dancing. But it's so sorry. I'm like sitting here trying so hard not to like let the tears flow right now because it's a very like. Are I we said, gonna go talk started, about boxing? You know, it's a very very touchy subject for me because my mom. That's my that was my writer. I mean, she still is. She's my writer. Die. She's always been my number one fan. Um, when my yeah. dad was over the road, she was at every game I ever played through school. From I played all the sports. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we were we're just very close, and like I said, I still she's still there. Like we're not that far yeah. into it yet, but her memory is definitely going yeah. quicker than it was a year ago. So um, I hear you. I just pray that I don't, you know, that I don't. It doesn't get to the point where she doesn't remember us and the and the kids. Um, everything else, I don't I don't care so much about. But I it, that I mean, I know it'll happen one day. But that's the day I dread is the day. I she I, I will say one thing to you: never get ahead of where you are. Yeah that's as a caregiver as a child of a as a person who has a relationship with a person in dementia you just don't know so be where you are if if ever you're going to learn that lesson of being present and being where right. you are do that now and and what you what i have learned from my husband is actually he can't cope with the fact that he doesn't know things or so he doesn't worry about it no he's only where he is in the moment right and therefore he is quite joyful and i would say happier than he was before because he just, he is just like, doesn't i don't no know stress, no worry no like just happy yeah because he doesn't have to, he doesn't process it enough to think of it in a bad or a negative way exactly so it's just it is what it is sometimes it's frustrating but what i am learning as i said is not to get ahead of myself i've got to plan and think but I don't think about, well, what about next year? I have no clue what next year is going to be. Let me get through this week. Right. And then we're right. there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I totally agree. Um, Women's Boxing Channel says, I see it going on to great, great things. Some think it will flatline in a few years. I don't know. What do you say? What were you, what were we talking about that he's talking about? What were you talking about, Women's Boxing Channel? I, we must have over, I must have missed your message before. Let me know because I don't remember what we were talking about. That you, what we what were we talking about before that? We were talking about women. Well, just I think about the sport and and how okay. you know the sport was growing and and I guess he's trying he's asking us. I think his question think is, hey, if we look at boxing now, it's really great. Is it going to flat? What do we project for the future? Read the um, comment. Oh, well, read I, the don't know, I don't know. Let me see. I'm lost. <laughs> I see it going on to great, great things. Is that the one you're talking about? And then it goes, some think it will flatline. Unless I'm missing something, Women's Boxing Channel, that's the only three messages I got over here. Yeah. You'll have to retype it. I'm so sorry, hon. Retype it for me. But maybe uh, if we do, from my perspective, if we look at where we are with Women's Boxing now, which is, you know, giving women an opportunity to actually um earn earn a living <laughs> some some few very few still few but more yes um still have most still have to work listen jessica mccaskill was working till a year and a half ago right yeah <laughs> she was still working while she was undisputed so yeah she was <laughs> so um you know uh, uh clarissa doesn't have to katie doesn't have to Amanda doesn't have to. Um, not sure about Chantel. 
Not sure about yeah, Samantha. And I, I don't know about Baumgartner, Mayor. Um, they've, yeah, you know, they probably I might still work, maybe. I yeah. don't know if that they might be up there enough. I don't know. Um, you know, it's somewhat. I, I think they're pretty much able to box. And and the thing with Mayor and and Baumgartner even is that they're they've been able to capitalize and do um, announcing. And I'm sure, you know, when Mayor uh, announces for ESPN, she's getting paid. So she she's gigging, if you will. It's still within the realm of boxing. But yeah. um, she's she's kind of it's actually quite smart because she, she's quite good on the air. And, and as is uh, Tasha Jonas, who's been doing on air stuff, commentary. Kylie Reese has been doing on air commentary. Yeah. And they're and they're doing it quite well and so it's giving them the potential for some avenues down the line yes. to kind of transition into uh being commentators and yeah, that's what i wanted work. to do when i retired was commentating but i we didn't have those opportunities back no then. they really weren't there uh, no, i mean this not. is so new thank you eddie i don't see wbc i do not have that message that starts out um so good to see the i don't have that message so if you want to copy and paste it Back in the comments, somehow we missed that one. It's not over here. Um, okay, so moving on, you also are on War Room with Chris Baldwin and Eddie Goldman. Tell us about. Tell us about. Well, yeah, we we started like about. I guess it's about a year and a half. Um, it was really, I I think Eddie and and Chris were doing a show. What we were, the idea of it is sort of to be an alternative to the usual sports boxing stuff right which is kind of towing the line if a, a lot of shows tow the line of the various networks and so on and we we wanted to look at it a little differently and you know frankly we're all a bunch of lefties so we we, we wanted to have a different focus which is for us sports justice and, and women's boxing is very much in that role but we we wanted to look at dive a little deeper into issues um uh what it you know what the issues are for gay athletes women who are gay versus women who are straight and and the issues that they face right. as an out gay woman who is masculine facing versus one who's femme facing you know i mean the, these kinds of um issues are things that we we want to talk about we also were diving a lot into um or have been diving a lot into the issues with the new International Boxing Association, the amateur organization that is under a man named Victor Kremlev and his ongoing, their ongoing fights with the international boxing, uh, with, with um, the International uh, Olympic Committee. Okay. Um, there, uh, during the 2016 Olympics, there was a lot of corruption in the judging at the yeah. Olympics. And right. uh, a report came out, and so we we amplified that a lot. We interviewed folks about that. Uh, we also were looking at the criminality, undercutting some of the mailboxing in particular. Daniel Kinahan, who's a crime lord uh, originally from Ireland and has had been holed up in Dubai. Now he's been um, uh, he's on like the Interpol most wanted list and. His assets were frozen in the United States, and anyone associated with him has been kicked out of the United States, or they had their assets frozen. Even uh, I think a week ago or so, MTK Global 
which was an spun out of an organization he originally started, shut down in the United States because of the financial implications. There's a lot of money laundering going on, sports betting, all sorts of really nefarious stuff. So that, that's what we talk about. And we, we talk about the stories that a lot of other folks don't necessarily cover. Right. And as I said, we do it from an angle of, of sports justice um, and try not to pull punches. We'll, we look at things beyond just boxing itself. But right. we also have a really warm hearted space for women's boxing and try to amplify fighters who may not get seen or heard and really talk about the, the continuing pay equity issues, the continuing issues of access to yeah. promotion. I mean, it's a scandal that in this country, you cannot, a woman, any woman cannot get on a PBC card. What the hell is that? Yeah. I, ridiculous. Yeah. Which means women are not on Showtime anymore. What the hell, Stephen Espinosa? Right. I mean, what? Right. There were two female fights last year. What? Because they had two cards that weren't PBC. What the right. hell? Yeah, so, why? You know, so we, we talk about that. We talk about, um, you know, the what's happening in the UK versus here, looking at things yeah. in Mexico and Argentina, you know, where the other centers of women's, women's boxing. Right, right. And have um, fun. <laughs> yeah, and have fun doing and it, right? have fun. I mean, that's what it is. Where you talk to talk and walk to walk and expose the truth, right? Yeah. That's what it's all about. That's what we need. That's what we need. Um, Women's Boxing Channel, I got your number two and your number three. I still don't see your number one message. I don't know what's happening. Eric, can you see his message that I'm missing? Let me know because I don't see it. Um, oh, he's been looking. Okay, you don't see it either. Um, he don't see it. Okay. Woman's boxing channel. I got number two and number three. I do not have the first part still. I don't know why. Um, and my, um, my lovely assistant backstage can't see it either. <laughs> so I'm not sure why that first message is not coming through, but I, we're not trying to ignore your question. I just don't see it. Um, okay. So, um, from there. Um, so the latest appearance, of course, we kind of started off and touched with it in the beginning. Your last motivational speaking was at the ninth annual International Women's Boxing Hall of Fame induction um, right. that was at the Orleans Hotel and Casino last October, which is where we had the lovely opportunity to meet in person for the first time. Yay. Um, so to, I guess tell everybody about your role with the International Women's Boxing Hall of Fame and, sure. and the events and everything um, that takes place with that. Well, I, I've had the honor to, to, to be on the board with Sue Fox um, since our first Women's Boxing Hall of Fame in 2014. Um, this is the brainchild of Sue Fox. And to give it a little context in history, in 2014, the International Boxing Hall of Fame in Canastona, New York, did not induct women. That did not happen until 2020. Yep. So um, in 2014, really 2012, 2013, Sue started saying, you know, we should have an award. Now there's regional, there are state um, halls of fame for boxing. There are counties, there are states, there are yep. cities. It depends on where you are and how important boxing is to your community or to the community or the state. And Sue said, but there's nothing for women. And we said, you know what? You're absolutely right. 
So she yeah. put together a board of a few people and we banded together and uh, really Sue did most of the planning and we located it in Florida at the National Golden Gloves, which were still being held. The National Women's Golden Gloves, um, they were led by Bonnie Canino, that brilliant, wonderful fighter, Bonnie Canino, yep. and her partner, Yvonne Reese, both of whom have been inducted to the Women's Hall of Fame. Yes, they have. And we uh, put together an event that first year in 2014 that coincided with her uh, National Golden Gloves. And we had the event in the afternoon, right where the state, where the rings were, you know. Yeah. And, and then in the night, we would watch the boxing. And that first year, we inducted Christy Martin and Lucia Riker and Regina Homlick and a few others and, and Barbara Buttrick. And it was sort of like the greatest hits of women's boxing. The greatest hits of women's boxing come and together. One of the most remarkable things is that, uh, you know, as I said, it was the National Golden Gloves. So there were fighters like Marlena Esparza and Christina Cruz who were still competing in the amateurs, yeah. as well as Claressa Shields, although she wasn't competing in the National Golden Gloves. So she came because she was there to support her teammates right. at the Golden Gloves. And she brought her gold medal with her from the Olympics. And she came up and she met all you know our incoming induction class i'm telling you there wasn't a dry eye in the house among the women who were being inducted because there's this beautiful you know she was then what 18 19 years old 19 year old young woman who with a gold medal from the olympics something they never in their wildest imagination as professionals ever thought could be achieved yeah, and so proud of her. So, yeah. so, so very proud of her. It was wonderful. Yeah, yeah, that would have. Yeah, I can. I could totally imagine. Just imagine the. Just I don't know. Just this excitement of just. I mean, everybody when the Olympics first happened. I don't know any female that wasn't just so like relieved that it finally happened. Mm -hmm. um, because women have been fighting for Olympics in boxing for, I don't even know how far back. Oh, um, but you know, listen, when the amateurs in, in the United States of America were not legalized to the mid 1990s. Yeah, 1993. I had Dakota Stone Dallas last week. Yeah. Dallas Malloy. Now, there had been a few instances where were state organizations who are not necessarily affiliated with the AAU, which was yep. the amateur uh, organization that sort of spearheaded um, the, that level of competition in the United States um, prior to the USA boxing. They kind of slipped through and, you know, some golden gloves in New Mexico might have a, a girl right. boxed or pretended to be a, a boy who boxed. And got yeah, away with it and then got caught and kicked out. That's, that was it until yeah, Dallas Malloy. Yeah. So yeah, I had her on the show last week. She was phenomenal. Like she's a she, phenomenal. She woman. was great. Yes. And if you look at so then you it's literally 19 years later, women are in the Olympics. Yeah. I mean, we didn't have nationals till what 1998, 1999, and then there was the first international competition with different organizations from around the world it was illegal in most places in the world yes um 
Yes. <laughs> so extraordinary to think Baby even in 12 steps. years what happened yeah. from 2000 to 2012. Yeah. Amazing. Baby steps. We got to take baby uh, baby steps. We're getting there. Yes, absolutely. We're, there. we're definitely getting there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the next year's event for the International Women's Boxing Hall of Fame for everybody that's in here that has not. If you don't follow WBAN.com, Sue Fox is like the most amazing woman you'll ever meet. Um, she does so, so, so much for all of us from the amateurs all the way through my pros. I can remember um, the first time that I spoke with Sue um, and found the website when I was fighting amateur. I mean, she covers it all. So if there's anything you want to know about women's boxing, everybody go check out WBAN.com. Sue Fox, she's on Facebook. I mean, she's on all of them, but go to the website. There's pretty much nothing you can't find on there. Yes, she is a legend, 100%. Uh, amazing, amazing woman. And and, and a boxer herself. You know, she started yeah, out doing yes. karate and then yep. became a boxer in the late 70s. She was one of she the did. first female licensed I was so female happy boxers in the West. Yeah, I was so happy when I brought the belt, I brought my belt to the inductions. And Sue was like, oh my gosh, like, I want to take a picture with you, but I want to hold the belt because I never got to have one. I said, girl, you can hold it all night. You can carry <laughs> it all night long with you. Um, yeah, and I true. think I just saw somebody, somebody made a belt for her more recently, right? I saw it on a picture. Well, yeah. Uh, Stephen Blay, who's, um, uh, a, a very legendary referee uh, and coach, um, with, and does a lot of WBC bouts and, and work, uh, presented it to her. Yeah. We had actually okay. inducted him. I, I, I want to say 2020, uh, okay. for, as a, a non-boxer category, He's okay. a really wonderful, fabulous human and an extraordinary advocate for year, women right? in the sport. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was there last year, right? Yeah, he was. He was uh, definitely yeah. there. And, and yeah. we, we wanted to invite him up to the stage. But for those of you who were there, it went a little long. So <laughs> that's why I, I, you know, everybody, Sue, I, she's just said, well, thank you so much. Like your speech was amazing. And I said, well, I had a, I mean, I didn't have like a, like a 10 minute speech or anything, but. I missed quite a bit of stuff I was going to mention in my speech just because I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to go up here and thank everybody and make it real simple because <laughs> I was one of the last, later ones to go. Yeah, I know. We felt so feel bad. The tension. I could feel the tension in the room um, that it was getting late. And I was like, I'm not even going to, like, I had it wrote out and I was just going to read it. And I'm like, no, we're just going to do the main points, like exactly who I need to thank and what I need to say. And we're going to leave it at that. Yeah. The, um, next year we're, 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 we've, we've really been working hard to time it out a little better Yeah, because we want um, everybody to have the opportunity to speak, but we can't give everybody 20 minutes. So no. we'll be there till the next day. So yeah, it got pretty late. Um, three minute rounds. <laughs> three minute rounds. You know, three minute rounds. Um, but this no, year we're excited because we're actually going to have two days. You know, this yes. is our 10th anniversary and we're going to have, two days of events. We're going to have an afternoon event where uh, folks will have the opportunity to meet all the fighters, do the pictures. That's what I'm looking forward to. And, and uh, you know, just have, give out some award, do the raffling and just have a lot of fun yes. for that experience. Um, so we're going to uh, do all of that and really have a great time. 
in the afternoon. And then the following night on the 7th, we'll have our formal induction ceremony uh, and dinner and, and hope to um, have it really be an exciting event for everyone and yes. have it move along a little bit quicker than last yeah, time. Yeah, I know. Um, but not cut anyone off or anything like no, that. Just have a great time. Don't want to do that. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. want them to have their moment to shine. Like, I mean, I wanted my moment. Um, Absolutely I just, I important. The, you know, the key points that I had, I think that was really all. The rest of it was just kind of like a backstory of me, which everybody already knew that was there anyway. So it didn't really matter that I skipped that part. Um, but yes, I know I was laughing because I didn't really eat because I spent so much time trying to make sure that I took pictures with everybody that was there. And I got autographs with all the fighters that were there. And I kind of giggled with Sue later. I said, you know, I think I, I think I almost got a picture with almost everybody that was there, but I didn't get to speak to anybody that was there. Like, it was just like, oh my gosh, Christy Martin, can I have a photo? Oh my gosh, Martha, can I have a photo? Like, oh my God. Like, so I was just, I mean, it was, I got photos, but I would love, I love that she's adding the extra day for this year because you can actually, we can actually have a conversation with some it, of exactly. our people we looked up to. There were so many people there that I looked up to that came from before me. Um, but I would have loved to just like ask some questions and, you know, um, talk a little bit, but there just wasn't time for that. I didn't even eat my food because I was trying to just talk to people. I think what we, what we have, and this is again, all, all kudos to Sue yes, is building Sue. this notion of a community of, a, it's a community of people who support each other. I know we talked about community earlier on yes. in our call and, it's really important. Uh, I, I'm like, look, I I love the fact that Canastota is recognizing women. Um, there's two amazing women being inducted this year, Alicia Astley and, and Laura Serrano. It's wonderful. But the International Women's Boxing Hall of Fame is a place for us. It's, yes. it's a place where we can celebrate ourselves, meaning yes. the community that is not only the women who box like you, Brooke, but all of those who support it, all of those yes. who advocate for the sport. The behind the scenes people. The promoters, yes. the managers, the referees, as I said, the judges, the commissioners, you know, yes. Jill Diamond at WBC and all that she does in support yes. and furtherance of women in the sport. Not yes. only, you know, uh, you know, showing up at, you know, being being the manager and, you know, being the official at, 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 at at title fights, but all the stuff she does behind the scenes, how she is sitting there and supporting amateur sports at a time when just the participation in the Olympics itself is being threatened. So it's really important to have that kind of advocacy. So what I feel about the International Women's Boxing Hall of Fame is it is a community of people that have the opportunity to meet and come together. And as you said, adding that extra day Gives yeah. us some time to just relax. We're not all tense yeah. from the event itself. We're not in, in a way. It's a time, yeah. a chance to kind of break the ice a little, so that when we do come together for the event, we're already good friends. We've yes. already had this other thing that we shared. So it kind of get to the shorthand of the experience and be able to really cheer each other. And that's what it's all about: is yes. giving that support to each other for the their endeavors for persevering and for continuing to persevere Yes. for those who are active fighters that 
still have to put up with all that nightmarish crap on YouTube and Twitter yeah. and everything else. It's disgusting. Get yeah. a life, people. You don't yeah. have to denigrate people. You don't have to trash talk them or anything else. No. No. Yeah, just stop all that stuff and just you know, pet, pet some people on the back for all their hard work and accomplishments. Um, exactly. exactly. You know, anybody that steps in the ring deserves respect because they got in the ring. Um, yeah. I know one of my biggest pet peeves when I was fighting was people that would come up to me and say negative things. And I'm like, have you even sparred? Like, have you even trained? Yeah. Like, have you ever even been in a ring? Like, do you know what it feels like? So don't hey. talk to me. Yeah. Listen, you know, women if die. You don't know, like if you haven't experienced it, don't talk to me because you don't know yeah. shit. You don't know what you're talking about if you've never done it yourself we have a young mexican fighter who died in the ring in canada last year yeah we have a mexican fighter who went down and went into a coma after fighting hannah hannah rankin yeah in the ring yeah. went through the full fight ended up in a coma yeah so I saw it, that, yeah. it's not a joke no i mean who come through the ropes are there to perform a sport give it their best and may not come out of it yeah because exactly. it's boxing exactly and that respect um, must be given a hundred percent um from everybody um yep. and for those of you that are watching the show if you're not if you're not an actual athlete and you haven't actually done it think about that the next time you want to give somebody that's doing it a negative comment or try to tear them down and tell them they're not good or whatever the case may be because you can't even get up enough guts to get in there yourself and give it a try. So just sit back and watch and enjoy the show. And maybe next time, just give somebody some props or just don't say anything at all. Cause we don't need your negative comments. We've been through enough. We know if we had a good night or a bad night or whatever the case may be, or if we made some mistakes. So we don't, we definitely don't need you guys throwing that in, in their faces. Um, yeah. Because they're already beating themselves up at that point. So uh, we don't need that extra, that extra throw in there. Um, just keep that to yourself. Um, let's see. Women's Boxing Channel says, what do you think about Liam Smith's homophobic outbursts? You know, reprehensible. What's to say? Don't do it. You can go to a lot of places, but you're going to do that. And then there were, there was a fan, uh, some boxing idiot, uh, was throwing epithets at Conor Ben before the fight. I mean, it was just disgraceful. Get, get out of there. Yeah. Done. Very. Very. Um, thank you, um, Eric, for putting up. Um, everybody, if you check out in the chat that's in here, if you are interested in purchasing Melissa's book, he put the link to the Amazon to the book so you can check it all out. Um, is it woke or is it salient? Well, I think we just, are you talking about the same thing, right? It's also in the description. It's also in the description down below. He just informed me. So give Eric a big, big pat on the back because he's doing his job. He's doing it right today. He's got it everywhere. He's ahead of me. That's for sure. <laughs> um, oh, so I see. That's you. I'm like, is he, he's telling me something. No, I'm else. saying thank you. <laughs> Listen, you know, one thing about yeah. boxing, whatever you're in, it's all a labor of love. Exactly. <laughs> you don't get money. You get exactly. labor of love. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so thank you. <laughs> Still um, paying off the editor. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, 
So you, I know um, you are currently now writing another book that's set to mm -hmm. release next year. Can you I tell am. us what, what that one is about? Yes, uh, I am writing a book that is taking an in-depth look at the last 10 years, basically um, from the 2012 Olympics to now. It, uh, I'm, I've sort of identified three separate eras within 10 years, which is, if you think about it, from the Olympics 2012 to 2016, we have the Olympics, it's like, great, everybody's going to get on TV and be all famous. And guess what? Yes. There was still no women on television in the United States. There was still no women on television in the UK boxing. Nothing happened. 2016, uh, and, and 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 people like Clarissa Shields and Katie Taylor, who are now our, our huge, huge mega stars, made the determination. There was no way they were leaving the amateurs to cross over into pro sports. There was nothing for them as professionals in 2012 to right. leave the amateurs. Uh, um, so I'm going to take an in-depth look at that, take a look at the fighters who were fighting sort of the end of the like era of women who came up in the sport only as professionals really never had that much of an opportunity as amateurs and talking through, you know, what that was like for them um, as they were doing their careers. Um, okay, one interesting little fact that I'll talk about is that the night that Clarissa Shields won her second gold, um, Olympic gold medal in August of 2016 was the night that Heather Hardy fought Shalito Vincent, a, uh, a local fighter from New England, for a WBC silver belt. She was on a PBC card. That fight was on a PBC card, one of the few that had women. And it was an Errol, Errol Spence earlier in his career. It was He was the headliner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was shown at an outdoor theater in Coney Island. That's where the, the boxing show was. Every single ticket was sold either by Heather or Shalito. Literally had busloads of people coming down from New England to watch the fight. Yeah. And it was the first time a woman's fight was live streamed. Yeah. On PBC. And one of the few that that ever happened, I think it's only happened a couple of times since. Yes, only a also few. Heather Hardy. So that was the same night. And Heather won that fight. It was a very tough, hard fought fight with a lot yeah, of Yeah, they're both great fighters. And at, after the fight, as she was, you know, thanking the crowd, she said, you know, Clarissa Shields won her second gold medal today tonight and she burst into tears you know that that's the impact of the olympics so yeah i want to talk about that i'm then going to talk about what i'm going to call this transition period 2017 to kind of 2019 where we have these olympic stars crossing over and starting to be professionals and really changing the, the name of the game yes i'm going to talk about the fact that hbo had their first female bout you know by yes. accident they had yeah. you know, Celia Brakus fighting for Undisputed. They only, they kept her on the car. You know, they never, HBO had never broadcast women before in never. all their history. 
No. The main event, the, which I can't remember the guys that were supposed to fight on that card, was canceled. They said, well, okay, what the heck? And they made the Breakers fight the main event. So that was huge. So I want to talk yes. about those kind of pivotal things. And yes. the experience of, uh, you know, Clarissa Shields, Katie Taylor, those kind of folks coming up and changing the landscape changing the landscape of Showtime in terms of featuring Clarissa, the rise of Eddie Hearn and Match from Boxing and their support of women's boxing. And then of course, COVID happens. So the next thing will be 2020, the last part of 2020 to 2022, talk about the COVID story, how it just killed boxing. But at the same time, women became the stars. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you remember the Uh oh. Oh, that says. Yeah. Oh, oh, you're back. Okay, sorry about that. Natasha Jonas, uh, uh, Terry Harper fight the summer of the first summer of COVID in 2020. They had this amazing uh, 10 round battle on the uh, zone, and it yes. really was the fight of the summer. It, it kind of people were so starved to bo watch boxing. They watched that fight and went, yes. oh my God, women can friggin' box. Yeah. So there's I, a lot yeah, of all that change from them, all that momentum, the age of the undisputed, the age of the mega fights, talk about yes. Taylor Serrano, talk about the O2 card with Shields and Marshall and, and Baumgartner and Mayer. The fact that, you know, top ranks bob aram who poo-pooed the taylor serrano card said oh god who would want to watch women's boxing yeah which he's been doing for 25 years by yeah, the way yeah that's nothing new i mean he's made nothing new you know move no. along he said that in the 70s he said it in the 80s but when taylor serrano ended up with 1.5 million views on the zone and sold out the main room at the madison square garden he went Oh, I guess maybe boxing is something. So when the O2 card came up, he was like, "Yep, yep, yeah, I'll put me on that card." So that's how that all works out. Money talks. Yes. Money does talk. It's, talk. it's a very sad fact, especially for women in boxing. But that's just the sad reality that we have to face every day. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. Um. Hi, Eric. Welcome in. How are you? Um, Eric says, how do you organ, how do organizations like talk and fight best support women's boxing? What can we do different? Oh, that's my Eric from the back. Hey, well, you know, first of all, I gotta say, um, talk and fight is amazing because you are showcasing women on your podcast. You've got, you've got Brooks, you've got, uh, uh, Oh God, sorry. I'm having a brain sugar. moment. Sugar. sugar. Yep. Yeah. You got the Stafford, um, report Stafford and you've got uh, Brown. Oh gosh. The woman from Canada. I'm blanking sugar. Yeah. Sugar show. Yeah, sugar. So you got and these then... wonderful shows, which give a, a real opportunity for folks to amplify the voices of women in the sport. Um, you've been bringing women's with, women who are involved in the sport on your show. I know the Stafford report has been, they had this fantastic interview with Marion Trimier, Lady Tiger, one of the true pioneers of the sport who not only, you know, put her life on the line as a fighter, but then was a, 
engineered a hunger strike, literally a hunger strike to bring voice to equity for women in the sport in the 1980s. Her interview was fantastic. So that is a, an amazing opportunity to give voice to that. And, and then just to amplify on social media, the positive things about the sport and be a positive voice for growth of the sport, positive amplification of good stories and good opportunities for fights to happen. And also then calling out the negative. Why is it the PBC can get away with never having females on their on their boxing cards? I don't understand it. No. I don't understand why the networks themselves are not pushing for that. I don't get it. I don't. To get me, it lousy business because women deliver. Women deliver with the best, finding the best. Yes, that's the one thing that you can always say about women, and. It pretty much 99% of women athletes, 99% of them want to fight the best there is period. Like, yeah. and we don't, we don't duck, we don't dodge. We don't not yeah. sign the dotted line. Uh, we, we talk the talk and we walk the walk. And when it's time to fight, it's down to business. Um, most, most of them. I mean, there's been a few, yeah. but it's not like on the men's side where they, you got all this hype and you, you build up to the fight for years and then you don't sign the dotted line because, well, I don't want to do a 60-40 split or a 50-50 split or I'm the A side or you're the B side. Like, who gives a crap? Just fight. Yeah, I mean, you I have that or, or you have networks pushing. Uh, one of my pet peeves was ESPN pushing Nico Ali Walsh. Yeah, okay, he can fight. But they would never mention the fact that his aunt was Layla Ali. They would talk about his grandfather. Yeah. But it took, I think it was his fourth show and a lot of trolling. Yeah. Frankly, before ESPN even bothered to mention, oh, hey, yeah, Layla Ali. Are you? Yeah, they didn't at all. They only talked about him being Muhammad Ali's grandson. Like, you know, his aunt was almost to this day in America, anyway. If you say women's boxing, people say, oh, uh, Layla Ali. Ali. Yeah. More than even Christy. Because Layla Ali had this extraordinary experience. Yes, very, very much so. Um, Women's Boxing Channel says Lou DeBella has around 14 women and hardly ever puts any of them out. I I, I don't know. I, I can't really necessarily speak to them. I know that he's quite committed to women in the sport. He he promotes where he can. Um, I know that he's, you know, the landscape of boxing in the United States in the last four years has really changed significantly. There's no regular boxing program. There's literally no boxing on television at all. It is barely on broadcast uh, on, on cable. Most mm -hmm. of what we see is streamed even on ESPN yes. plus they occasionally have a fight on their main card on their channels, but most of it is on ESPN. And I think Lou got caught in that transition because he was pushing out a lot of women um, when he was doing, you know, prior to the, um, prior to the uh, uh, COVID, he was pushing out, he was still fairly active with um, his uh, uh, Broadway boxing, which is sort of a small kind of club fighting thing and um pushing women onto cards that he could get at hbo or uh, i'm sorry at 
Barclays or at the Hulu Theater or up in Connecticut at CES. And he was, you know, one of the first people to ever sign women in the first place. He had Fire, he had uh, Heather, he had Sonia LaMonicus. He had Amanda for many years and put her on all of her Barclay cards. So, you know, he did what he could. Now, he's really not as involved, I would say, in boxing. But that's not, you know, what where where he really is with the women that are still on his um, show up on Debella Entertainment and whether they're really signed or really still active is another whole story. I do know that he's recently signed someone new and is pushing her and he has uh, Jessica Cabrera who just recently had a fight and um, Heather is actually now working with Boxing Insider on doing promotions and they've kind of got Lou DiBella sitting as their Dutch uncle helping them sort of start into the promotional realm so we'll see how that all works. Yes. Um... He says, hello, he hardly puts any out. Come on, he has no excuses. He's always doing men, but not women, apart from the off one or two. Well, I well again, you know, have Lou, have that conversation with Lou. I, I know him as someone who has really honestly supported women for a very long time and, and works hard to do that. Um, his ability you know, again, his, even his landscape is very different than it was three, four years ago yeah. because where, how you place people on cards and what, how you're, what the ability to even have cards is very, very changed. You know, he was having stuff that he was putting out on like, I think it was the UFC channel um, live stream. He wasn't really even getting necessarily broadcast up all the time. And then he had a few fights that he was promoting here or there but uh, much less than he had been doing five years ago. I think I, my understanding that he is, he's, is going to be sort of resurfacing Broadway boxing, but um, that's all I can say about it other than, you know, talk to Lou. Yeah. Ask him, send, send the, send the one message women's boxing channel. We don't know for sure. We I mean, we just go with what we know. Um, Eddie chimes in. How are you, Eddie? Holly Donovan on Talk and Fight recently interviewed Hannah Rankin, Susie Q. Ramadan, Raven mm -hmm. Chapman, the only female with Queensbury AT at the moment, Natasha Jonas and Chantel Cameron. Yeah. Hannah Rankin also is another host on Talk and Fight. Oh, I didn't realize um, that she was hosting. That's great. Or, yeah. Or, I'm sorry, Holly Donovan is the host. Holly Don oh, okay. Holly Donovan. I I I, she, I read she that backwards. Started, Holly right? Donovan. Or fairly yeah. fairly recent. I think I came a tripped across her, but I, I really haven't had a chance to listen. Yes, Holly is the host. I know Eric. I just I got there were so many names in that comment that he flustered me. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's Holly really great. Is the host. Um, yeah, so she did some great interviews with some some de some definitely amazing women. Yes, I agree. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, she's got a tremendous uh, folks on there. Tasha Jonas, Chantel Cameron, they're brilliant. And Hannah is brilliant and has a wonderful story, you know, as a classical musician turned boxer and still yeah. does classical music. So she's quite something. I'm really taking yeah. it with Definitely. And with her humanity and her, you know, uh, taking the loss against Harper and such a, a, she was really so, she really handled that well, you know. Right. Losses 
terrible, especially loss of a belt. And she, I thought, was really quite good. Women's Boxing Channel. You're very adamant about this one, I think. Um, that ain't good enough. Fact is, I'm asking why he doesn't put them out, and the answer ask him isn't good enough. I'm calling the Debella out, and so should others, as to why he favors men over women. I mean, Women's Boxing Channel, I mean, come on. We all know that 90% of the promoters and the managers and everybody out there are all for the men. I mean, how look how far we've had to come just to get put on cards. This is nothing new. I mean, yes, it's 2023, and they all should be. As a matter of fact, all the promoters that don't put women on, I think, should be called out. There, he's not the only one that's you know doesn't have that many stable a stable of women. Um, Bob, Ar I mean, all, Bob Aram, all of them. They don't push women. There's Eddie Hearn is the only one that's fluently pushing women right now. Um, I, I mean, is there any one, other ones that are like really, really? Listen, Matchroom still has cards that don't have women. DAZONE has a card from time to that without women. Boxer just had the card with with Liam Smith. There were no women on that card. Actually, yeah. you know, Steffi Bull, uh, who's Terry Harper's uh, uh, trainer, had a tweet out. Hey, how come there's no women on the card? Yeah, I mean, Sometimes that's it's beyond the control of the promoters. Uh, look, I'm not going to sit here and make just this. I can't speak for Lou DiBella, only in that I know him Personally, over yeah. the years, and I have seen him as a person of reasonable integrity and a crazy game, and as someone who has always supported women. Why there may not be women on his cards may not be necessarily under his control. I really cannot say. If you want to call him out, please do so. But I think it's not only black or all black or all white. Yeah. Yes. And, um, you know, Boxer, they're, they're new to this. You know, Boxer just started under uh, Shalom, Ben Shalom, and, and this is a new player in the sport. Uh, they have the support of uh, Sky Sports. They're doing wonderful work um, in terms of really looking to promote women. Um, it's, it's part of why Clarissa Shields is not boxing in America right now because right. she's not getting what she sh deserves in the United States. She right. is getting heard and, and supported in the UK. And that's yeah. why she's there. You know, you know, and I even back when back in my time, I mean, that was where we all, I never, I mean, I went to Mexico and Canada, but that's as far as I got. I never um, had the opportunity um, to go anywhere else overseas, but I'm telling you, if I'd have had the opportunity, I would have jumped on it in heartbeat. That's where we all wanted to fight because as long as I can remember back in my time, they were supporting women over there from the beginning. They've always had women be made events and pushing women and giving them fair opportunities and maybe not equal pay to the men, but a heck of a lot better pay than I ever saw in my day. So Listen, I always tell the story of Alicia Ashley, you know, uh, I, I just adore her. She's a, a remarkable boxer who never had the opportunities to really fight that she should have had. But she used to have, she, she has fought for major belts for $3,000 on a stage in Brooklyn. To make money, she would have to go down to Mexico and fight Mexican fighters on their turf. And even well, managed to win yeah. belts down there. For an example, my WBC title that I took from Mia St. John in Mexico, mind you, was the rematch. Right. 
I have no idea what Mia made. I'm sure she had a very nice payday, but I made four thousand dollars. Yeah. And I was there for over in a week. Yeah, Alicia, I think made around twenty, which was a phenomenal amount of money. Can you Back imagine? Then, yeah. It's, no, I can't you know, imagine twenty grand. Yeah. So you know, I it's mean, it's amazing. My biggest payday. <laughs> Women are still making four grand. You know, don't kid yourself. The B oh. side, you know, when when uh, somebody who's a <clears throat> who's you know the opponent, yeah, they're not making money. No, they're not. That's they why not I making that's, money. They're, they're making a little more than they used to, but not in the United States. The United no. States is a disgrace. No, I mean, I guess that's why I didn't get much because I was the opponent in that. Fight, I, and so. and someone like Lou, just to kind of go back to that, the problem with that he has right now is he no longer has deals with networks because there are no networks anymore. You know, Golden Glo Golden Boy, which is showing more women now, and they're going down to like south america uh, you know central america they're going out of the united states to have these cards they have a deal with the zone so they're able to have regular boxing shows that are televised <clears throat> and they are promoting women you know they had they had a, a female when you uh, what's her name uh yacosta Bali. Yeah. that's her name sorry I, I should have a cheat sheet of people's names and how to pronounce them anyway she's from costa rica remarkable boxer she was the main event. Um, they were like Marley uh, ah, Acosta. I think that's her. Anyway, there were a bunch of fights on that card. Two women's fights were, you know, main event and the co-main. Just great. And that was yeah. Golden Golden Boy, right? Yeah. Uh, that's right. where uh, Marlon Esparza is. But meanwhile, Sinisa Estrada left because she didn't feel she was getting the money she deserved from them. Mm -hmm. And made the deal and ended up with top rank, which I think was a surprise. Everybody figured she'd end up with Matchroom or something. As I said, Boxer is a new player. They came into the game uh, when DAZN, when Matchroom went with DAZN and DAZN split from Sky Sports. When that split, it meant that DAZN wasn't showing Sky Sports in America anymore. And it also meant their access to, to Matchroom fighters was gone which is where those first women were boxers said oh goodness 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 and they started signing people up and they made the deal with sky sports so <clears throat> boxer as a promoter has a network in sky sports the same as match from boxing as a promoter has a, a network in the zone that's not to say that Matchroom won't be on somebody else's card and cross promote right. and all of those kinds of things, which makes it very complicated. But it's how they're able to have regular, regular fight nights, regular cards, and so on. Yeah. For the O2, there were a lot of decisions that were that were made to make those uh, make that fight. Of which you know sky sports had been wanting to do it for quite some time so they were able after uh, taylor serrano it was sort of prove the case of women being able to be the main event in a main arena so it really kind of sold itself yes um we've got messages flying in here melissa oh cool <laughs> i have to scroll back down i think i missed some um, Eddie says Zabella works with other promoters too. For example, Lou Baxter in Toronto is supported by right. Lou and his females. Um, Tony Issue, welcome in. Tony said boxers, 
Boxer did the all women card at the O2 last year. Yes, we were just talking That's about right, that. That's right. Exactly right. Um, Women's Boxing Channel says, but we're talking about why the USA promoters don't push women yet. The zone do Queensberry have Chapman. Boxer has loads too. Shame on the USA. Well, I think we literally just said that, Women's Boxing Channel. We agree. Shame on us for not doing better um, and supporting all the amazing, phenomenal women that are from the U.S. Um, Absolutely. So we don't have to go over there. Um, that, would be, that would be the answer right there. Getting some better um, promotions over here and um, giving, giving back to here. Because, I mean, yeah, it's great to have all the fights over there and everybody being successful over there. But then that just makes us, the U.S. fans, USA fans and USA boxers, you know, not being able to enjoy that experience. I mean, not everybody can afford to fly over there and buy tickets to go to watch the fight to support their families yeah. and, and stuff. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough having to go over there and usually not having everybody with you because of where the fight is being held. So, yeah, U.S. needs to do better. We definitely need to do better. Um, Rob G says, Melissa, you should have a weekly talk and fight <laughs> channel. You have so much to say on the intelligence front. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Rob. That's very sweet. <laughs> you know, Rob, I'm guessing, you know, Rob. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, I mean, Eric, we can, we can talk about it. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, women's boxing channel. Think Matchroom had C14 and Boxer 12 and both got them out regular. The other day, Oscar De La Hoya dissed women's boxing saying, now let's have some real boxing referring to the men. Come on. Well, yeah, we, we know this. What else is new? Meanwhile, he's a jerk. Just like Bob Arum is a jerk. We know this. But, but meanwhile, they're putting women on their cards, so I don't really give a shit what he says. Right. I mean, but, as long as the women are getting on the card, I really don't care what they say either. And they're great fights and and, and 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 some real opportunities, you know. Like boxing in America, period, is a mess, right? It is Where a mess. is it? It used to be at least you had like Friday night fights, even though you'd love to hate yeah, Teddy Atlas. I miss HBO so much and Friday night fights. Friday like, night fights. Did we was, just go back to that? Yeah, it was what a sure thing. Running? We have zero now. We never None. know. Is there boxing? Isn't there boxing? I sit there, I go through 7,000 apps. I'm spending a fortune on, you know, what the heck is Fight TV? Whoever heard of Fight TV? I got to have it because I had to because watch Because this one card, you can only watch it on Fight TV. Exactly. So I wanted to watch Clary Plata. Fantastic fight on Fight TV. Really? That's the it. That was it. Um, yeah. So, uh, plus, you know, mm. boxing has lost its place of pride in america you know you've got all this you uh, uh mixed martial arts ufc all they've you know taken up the broadcast bandwidth every one of these channels is making a, a huge fortune from um, ufc from uh, and all the related um mixed martial arts promotional <clears throat> groups they're making a lot of money on it. Women are doing really well. Their women's women's fights are doing well on those channels. So it's not as if you can't have women. They're they're happy to show women on <laughs> doing mixed martial arts. It's boxing, right? Boxing yeah. is its own other little misery yeah. When, it, yeah, when it comes to acceptance of women in the sport. 
I was just, you know, kind of rereading some material. I was doing an introduction to my book and kind of having to give an overview of the sport and 5,000 words or, or more, 8,000 words of <laughs> overview. And one of the things I was reminding myself of is how popular women's wrestling was in America in the 1950s. Yeah. You could see it everywhere. It was on cards. It was like in small local venues and television essentially killed that sport because it didn't necessarily translate into the television environment of, of, of big time wrestling. And we're talking, you know, by the early 1960s, it was very difficult for women wrestlers to get recognized and get on cards. Yeah. At least because of the loss of the local um, wrestling shows in small venues around the United States. So, and boxing suffered similarly, not that women were necessarily on cards, but they were fighting in the 1950s and they were, they did have fight cards. So uh, yeah. a lot of flux and change and boxing right now is, um, you know, where it is in, in the United States, but it's alive and kicking in the UK. They have so many fights on any given day. And it's not as if we don't have a lot of fights here. It's just, we can't see them. They're yeah. local club shows, and the local club shows are doing really well. And if you look at the roster of fighters on those local club shows, most of them have one or two women's fights on them. You know, in yeah. places in Arkansas, know. Missouri, Texas, Florida, California, you name it. There yeah, are those opportunities. Yeah, you just can't watch just them. You just can't see them. You pray for YouTube. Yeah. YouTube yeah. is my boxing channel, basically. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you just wait somebody, wait till somebody posts it. Wait till somebody uploads yeah. it, right? Yeah. Um, so I mean, we kind of talked about the state of current state of women's boxing um and some of the challenges that are still out there. Um, what do you mm -hmm. think that the women need to do to fix the issues we've been talking about? As well, fighters? I think like women, women need to get into promotion. I, I mean, we need to really think through uh, there are a number of issues. Number one, uh, um, we need to think through what promotion and the access to television or some kind of televised channels and the ability for it to be seen. The problem with most of these online streaming services is they cost a lot of money. Yes, Whether you're do. paying on a per fight basis on Fight TV, you can have a subscription to Fight TV, for example, cost you $49.95 a year, but it doesn't get you all the fights. You're still no. paying. 1995, 29.95, 39.95 to watch a specific show. Yes, that's on how can people afford that when you can right. watch UFC for free on TV on Fox? Yeah. So that's one problem. The second is, you know, again, promotions are tied to uh you need money to promote you need to sell tickets, you need venues, certain states, uh, for instance, New York State has a lot of changes to their insurance laws because of the death in the ring, rightly so, but it makes it very, very difficult for small promoters to do shows. Yes. Um, and it remains to be a really problematic. So having the financing to support it and being ready to lose money, because that's what this is, it's a money out thing. Boxer, yeah. boxers, uh, Sky Sports lost a lot of money on the O2 event. They made money, but they lost money. What they put in, but they're in it for the long haul. They can. They have the legs for it. A small yes. organization 
does not necessarily have that opportunity. So being able to promote on a small level, small basis, having access to fighters, finding, doing them fairly, having access to some kind of streaming so that you're able to provide your product, even if it's for free on Facebook, yeah, which some promoters do, or free on YouTube, just put it out there. Yeah. And maybe sell something on the other end. Um, you're getting fannies, you know, you're getting eyes on your fighters. So maybe there's the opportunity if you are growing your organization to also sell tickets in bigger venues or have them come in and become involved with those fighters. Yes. So that's one of the things. And women getting involved more in promotions, getting involved more in broadcast and starting to take some of the ex exercising some of the power in that, I think is very, very important for the sport overall, as well as continuing to advocate for equity, not only in terms of pay, but in terms of treatment. Yes. Um, then we have to deal with this nonsense about two versus three minute rounds. Give me a friggin' break. It is not a woman's call as to whether or not she fights three minutes or not. No. It is the sanctioning bodies. Yes. WBC will not under any circumstance sanction any fight over two minutes. That is now the standard, 10 by two. Does it mean women can't fight 12 by three? No, it just means they're not able to in most sanctioning situations. Right. Listen, I work out three minute rounds. I'm 68 years old, okay? Three minute rounds is not the issue. No. It's the opportunity. The other thing, and, it, and this is where the economics get into it. If you have a even a championship fight at 10 by two, that's 20 minutes. If you have underneath that an eight rounder fight, eight by two is 16 minutes. That saves a lot of money for promoters. He oh, can yeah. throw a woman on the card. It's only 20 minutes rather than 36. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If he has an eight-rounder, he can even have two eight-rounders and it's one male fight. So, yeah. you know, that's that. Will this evolve? Yes. There's a lot of work behind the scenes to evolve that, to say, hey, listen, let's really look at three-minute rounds. <clears throat> there's really, there's a little bit, WCBC's point is it's related to um, head injuries, head injuries and, and concussions. Women being more susceptible to adverse uh, con conditions from concussions. There needs to be a lot more research in that, a lot more, which is money, which people don't yeah. want to spend. So there's that. Right. Then there's the question, well, should we go for things like an undisputed or a unification fight? Do a step up, a step up from there. Go 10 12 by two rather than 10 by two. So 10 by two, you get your champion, you get your WBC belt. But if you're going for a unification for one of the four majors, mm -hmm. you go 12 by two. So I think these are areas under discussion and we'll, we'll see how things evolve over the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, that. One wrinkle will be the fact that, you know, uh, Olympic boxing is on the, on the chopping block even for 2024 it's slated for 2024 women will uh <clears throat> it's um and uh, the ioc is already managing the process they've taken that out of the hands of the iba but 2028 in los angeles 
just don't know. For now, it is not on the roster of sports, so we, we don't know what will happen. It will have an adverse effect for women because many uh, large organizations, national boxing organizations, support their teams precisely because of the Olympics. Yes. Take the Olympics out of the equation. Don't know that the money is will and the money is going to be there to support their fighters. So right. and not necessarily in the United States, but, you know, we're talking 150 odd countries that exactly. have organizations. So it gets to be really problematic. Yeah. And um, I think it's, it's great that you brought up the three minutes. I think a lot of people um, out in the public and fans and everybody think that it's all up to the fighters and would they, it's not, it's not that every fighter, every female that I know would happily fight three minutes if the pay was equal. One, I'm not fighting an extra minute around for the same pay that I'm getting. Well, now. yeah, that's another issue. Is again, but pay it's equity. not up to us either. That's a whole nother yeah. issue. Yeah, but and and we don't the, have the choice, like we're not right, giving the, the choice. Exactly, women are not necessarily like. For instance, some states still only allow two minute rounds. Again, you know. In other countries, you have national um, boxing organizations. In the United States, we have 50 states and 50 different athletic associations that are that have the rules and regulations. For instance, in New York State, a fighter named Sue Reno, Reno went to uh, the New York State Boxing uh, Commission and said, hey, how come on the books it only says we can fight two-minute rounds? And they went, oh, oops, okay. They changed the rule. So women can fight for three-minute rounds in New York State. There's only been one fight. Yeah. So we know fight because most people just don't even have the appetite to fight two minutes. Meanwhile, WBA allows three-minute rounds. So the the the, the Sinisa Estrada Marlon Esparza fight was 10 by three when they fought. And Marlon Esparza has fought a couple of times with three-minute rounds not for WBC, but under the under WBA and prior yeah. to fighting for her fight. That in, in in Las Vegas, there's a long history of that, thanks to Layla McCarter, who fought in the early in the aughts, um, fought Melissa Hernandez and, and Belinda Laracuente three by twelve for championship fights. But um it it in a lot of other places it's not it's still not necessarily allowed because of not ne even necessarily because of the sanctioning body, but because the state organization in the United States may not allow anything exactly. more than two minutes in their rules. So it's exactly. very convoluted and complicated. Very. It is very. It's very complicated. Um, <laughs> let's see. We, Women's Boxing Channel says, in the UK, the girls all get out regular, no problem. USA always makes out problems. They do. Yes, they do. I agree, Women's Boxing Channel. Um, Tierra Brown example, great fighter, no fights. Same with Lou Bella's fighters um, and Ronica Jeffries. Well, I, I believe Ronica Jeffries uh, is not doesn't fight she, anymore. She hasn't fought. Yeah, she hasn't Ronica fought since 20, 2019. Yeah, I interviewed her actually, and and she did really well. And and she, Ronica had wanted done really well. Then she went on a break, and then she came back to it. Um, uh, she was having issues. Well, there were issues with her management and everything else had nothing to do with a promoter. 
<clears throat> and then she decided to box again. She did. She was quite successful. She fought, uh, what is it, Dana Thorslin? Was that her? Anyway, she had a really great fight, fought for a belt to a draw, but then has sort of receded, and she is not boxing now. She's doing yeah. training. She works as a trainer. Tara Brown, yeah, she ran into a lot of issues. She is no longer with Lou. I know she, um, in fact, we've been trying to get her on our show. And um, she is, uh, you know, she's a police officer. She's moved down to um, to Florida. She had a couple of fights. Uh, you know, it came to things where she'd be on a car and then the card was canceled. And well, this is in the last year or so. So I'm not entirely sure where she's where she's going now. But um, I know she's no longer with Lou DiBella. Okay. Okay. Um, women's boxing channel says minutes in any fight except a championship fight. Um, are you referring to the two minutes and the three minutes? Yeah, I'm assuming. Um, yeah, we don't, we as fighters have no say over that. I can tell you the only reason that I would turn down fighting a three minute fight, which is probably the answer that most women would give you. The only reason that would stop us from taking a three minute fight is if the pay doesn't equal the three minutes rounds because I'm not, I'm not going to pay. I'm not going to fight an extra, you know, minute every round for the same amount of pay that I'm fighting a two minute round. The pay is going to have to be there. That's probably literally the only reason a pro fighter with female would say no to a three minute fight. Otherwise we all want to be equal. We all want e equality across the board. So there's no female that I know personally that would not take a three minute fight. Um, the only reason we would say no, or me personally, is if the pay didn't change. Um, Women's Boxing Channel says, say it again, women are sanctioned to fight any fight over three minutes except championship fights, which have to be two minutes. Uh, I don't know. That one kind of confused me. Well, uh, uh, my understanding is WBC in particular will not sanction any bout that is championship bout, including, you know, baby oh, any, belts, any belt, yeah. anything that WBC has anything to do with, they will own the maximum is 10 by two. Yes. Period. Um, Period. Other sanctioning yeah, organizations are more flexible, <clears throat> but you also have the issue of the jurisdiction of the fight and what their rules are and what the network will allow which is mm -hmm. another whole complexity. Uh, yeah, whole um, other thing. It gets very, very complicated. Very complicated. But there complicated. are states where women may not box more than two minute rounds because it's in their rules. Exactly. Um, Tony says maybe women could do 15 rounds like the old days. 15 by two <laughs> equals 30. <laughs> right. That's, still that's, left, good. Right? <laughs> that's good, Tony. That's good. So then we'd be at the 30 mark. Like we'd get there. <laughs> hey, why not? Just add some more money. I'm sure that there'd be plenty Plus of the 15 minutes for the extra minute between rounds. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> what? That's, that's funny. Too good, Tony. I like that one. Um, so let's see. I mean, I guess out of all the, the fighters that you've met and experiences you've been through, can you tell me what's like the worst? I mean, cause I know you're real big on this, but the worst like controversy or discriminatory thing or like, crap or bs you've seen women have to go through well I, it's just the constant sexualization of women and um 
really uh, and denigration of their skills and abilities and their right to even be there. I, I, as I said, you know, when I was doing research for the book, and this is now, I started in 20, I started really researching women's boxing in 2010. So I've been now re researching and, and really examining the history of the sport for 13 years, 12, 12 years, whatever. And I remember when I was first looking at YouTube to find women's bouts that I could watch and learn and report on and so on. I was astounded at the vitriol against women. Um, and nothing's changed. There's a few more positive comments, but there's still really horrific stuff written every day. Yeah. And no one deserves that. No. The sexualization of women one way or another, no one deserves that. Impugning people for their sexuality, no one deserves that. It has nothing no. to do with boxing. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. And it's it's disgraceful. Um, so uh, I would say that is though, but it you know it speaks to the larger issue of women in our society, and and the fact that women are not respected in our society. Look at. Well, I'm not going to get into the politics of it necessarily, but <laughs> everybody, I think everybody on, on, on the podcast <laughs> knows about the politics side of it all. But, uh, but, but I will say that, you know, it's disgraceful um, and there's no place for it in our discourse. Uh, unfortunately, people feel that they can just do so with impunity. Um, and I find I, I, that's my biggest bone in terms of the public view yeah. of the sport um i really appreciate that there are committed journalists in the sport who really really and truly support women in and and their reportage is brilliant their features are brilliant they really understand the issues and put it out there and i think that has really changed the perspective of people very very much um and I, I, so I applaud that. And I would say that that's a very positive change that I've seen in my, in this period of time when I've really been focused on the sport and its meaning to us as a cultural artifact of, of the place of women in yes. our culture. Yes. Um, I totally agree with that. Um, yeah. And it's not gotten any better. Um, and I don't know that it will anytime soon, just like the rest of the stuff. Um, women's boxing channel says Ebony Bridges. You want me to read this out loud? Ebony, no, Ebony don't, Bridges. please don't, please don't. Yeah. I, um, women's boxing channel. I read, we read it. Um, I personally have, okay. I'm going to speak on this because I personally went to one of Ebony Bridges fights in Indiana in 20, maybe 2020. Um, it was the Mary McGee was fighting. Emily Bridges was on the card. Um, Tish Robinson had a comeback fight on that card. Um, the fight was in Indiana. I am from Illinois. Um, I bought um, my dad. I asked my dad and my brother to go. We all, and my husband, we all went, bought front row seats um, because I wanted to support the women. I had been retired for years, but I still wanted to support. It was an all women's card. I met Ebony Bridges at that fight. Um, Ebony Bridges to me is a very, uh, respectable, nice down to earth 
woman. Um, what I'm going to say about this is I don't agree with a lot of the things that Ebony is doing. I personally would not do uh, because I'm a mother um, and I wouldn't want my kids to look back in the future and maybe feel some type of way. But hi, Mike. But what I can say is Ebony is making money where there's money to be made. So she's very smart in that aspect because people pay for what she they want that she's giving the people what they want and what they're asking for. Um, I personally don't agree with it and wouldn't do it personally, but I do not judge Ebony Bridges as a person uh, because she is a very, very wonderful person because I've met her in person. Um, so I have nothing negative to say about her. Um, I would go about things a little bit differently and maybe a little bit more discreetly personally. Um, but I do not knock her because she's making money. She's doing what, what she needs to do to make the extra money that she needs to do the training, whatever else she has to do. Um, it, it takes a lot. You got it a lot. I mean, people don't really understand what all it takes. And if, if it's, if she can make a lot of money doing that, Hey, I'm not going to knock her because she's making money. Um, so yes, I mean, a lot of people may not agree with some of the things she wears and some of the things she does and how she goes about it, but she's just playing the game. She's playing the system the way the system plays us all. That's all she's doing. She's just reversing the system and she's, pl she's playing the game and playing the people and getting money out of it. So, I mean, kudos to her. I mean, she's getting, she's getting the extra payday. Um, so it's, that's just her way of doing it. But her as a person, as an individual is a very, very nice woman, very respectable woman talks very, um, intelligently. Um, she's very smart. Um, and she's just taking advantage basically and getting, getting her money. So I have nothing bad to say about her. Um, I personally wouldn't do that, but to each their own. And if, if, if it's getting her money, it's getting her money. So that's how I feel about on Ebony Bridges. And I also, I told people when I saw Ebony Bridges fight live, um, she was the fight of the night to me that night out of all those women cards. Um, she is a bulldog, very similar style to mine. They're hard to come by fighters that fight like that. Um, these days, I should say, um, they're a lot more technical boxers, movers, slipping and weaving. That was not me. Um, I mean, anybody that knows me that's on here, I was the brawler mentality, straightforward, like go, go, go my, my offense, offense, offense. Um, which is how I won a lot of my fights against technical fighters. Um, she has that same, same go forward strategy. And that's just, she's just a, a dog. Like she can take the punches and she can deliver the punches. So I loved watching her fight live um, because she so reminded me of me um, when I was fighting. I was like, man, she looks kind of like me in there. Um, so I told people then that watch out for Ebony Bridges because she's coming. And she's she's a she's a beast in the sport and she's going to do big things. She's not done. I know people keep underestimating her because of her looks and her appearance and how she does things and yada, yada, yada. But the girl can fight. She can fight. So yeah, I, I think I think <clears throat> she stops. I love her. I think she's yeah. a great. 
she really has worked very hard. She's, as you say, she's just a come forward bulldog in the ring. And, um, yeah. but she's also really working hard to get skills. You know, this is a woman who had two amateur fights and then um, went on and just said, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm old. I'm not going to make it in the amateurs. I want to box. So she turned pro It was kind of real old school. And um, so I really appreciated her as a fighter. I, I, I think the vitriol against her is unfortunate. Um, Women's Boxing Channel, the only reason I did that is um, I'm pretty sure you've been on every one of my shows live. And, you know, I have absolutely no problem reading or saying anything about how I feel, exactly how I feel. Because um, I'm pretty sure you were on my first show. Um, I did it out of respect for Melissa um, being on the show. That's why I asked her if she wanted me to read it out loud. Um, that's the only reason. Because, you know, if I wouldn't have had Melissa on the show, I absolutely would have read it out loud. And I would have gave you the same response I just gave you. Um, but out of respect for her, I asked first before I read that out loud, just because I didn't know if she would be comfortable with that. Um, so I'm just respecting Melissa. That's the only reason I didn't read it out loud. Just so you know, I'm not. And, the, and the, I can tell you the reason I said no was um, I had just finished talking about disrespect for women in in public forums. And I felt the language was disrespectful. So, no, I didn't want to read it. It, it was I felt kind of disrespected just reading that language. There was another way to say that. And the whole point of this is elevating how we view women in the sport. We don't have to agree with their promotional opportunities with how they do it, but there's also language we can use that is positive to each other and how and respectful of each other and how we are viewing these opportunities. I have no problem, you know, like, sure, I can read it, but why? Um, yes. Um, Eddie Barrington says she's a great fighter too. Yes, I agree, Eddie. Um, we're gonna, I've already commented on that. Uh, Michael. Hey, Mike, thanks for tuning in with me tonight. I have missed you. Um, he says, hey, WBC. Mike says, hi. Um, how's the show going tonight? Well, I think it's going pretty well, Mike. I think we're having a good time and we've covered a really lot of topics, some really good topics. You missed it, so you're going to have to do the rewind button when we get off here. And watch <laughs> we were rewinding in the beginning of the episode, too. Um, chill, Eddie says, WBC. Eddie says chill. Um, women's Boxing says, how dare you censor people's views? Just why? Okay, Women's Boxing Channel. Now, you know I don't censor anything on my show. Um I do not censor things. If you watched my very first episode when Sonia Drilling did not show up on my show, I told you exactly how I felt about the situation. I have no problem speaking my mind. Anybody that knows me knows that when I switch into the no mercy side of me and the not Brooke side of me, there is no sensory. And I don't care what you say. You can't stop what I'm going to say. Um, but I just explained out of respect for my elder, Melissa over here, who is a very good friend of mine. I didn't think she'd be comfortable with me reading the comment. I apologize if it made you feel some type of way. You know, I always support you. I love your comments. I love you supporting my show. Um, but I just wanted to give her that respect because I knew she wouldn't be comfortable with me reading that. That's the only reason. 
Um, let's see. Um, Eddie, I agree with Melissa 100%. Nice. Thank you. Uh, D Garcia, nicely said. Thank you. Um, you shouldn't be saying no to anyone. Wow. So, so we positive things only rubbish. Uh, we tell the truth and that's the problem with wokes referring to Melissa, not you. I'm referring to Melissa, not you. Oh, I'm sorry. Women's boxing channel. Um, I don't, I mean, she gave, she did give you her reasoning as to why she felt some type of way about it. Um, maybe just, can you reword the question? Can, can you respect her enough to reword, reword the question? And then I'll read it out loud. Can you do that for me? Um, let's see back to my, back to my questions now. Um, <laughs> back to where we were. Um, I think we've pretty much covered everything. I know the last thing I was going to talk about was the dementia, but we covered that early. So that's good. I don't have to cry at the end. Um, is there anything else that we might have missed or that you want to throw out there to the people listening and the fans everywhere before we wrap it up? Well, no, I, you know, first of all, I'm really appreciative of, of the opportunity to be on your fourth show. I, I'm such a fan of you and, and, so appreciative of you putting yourself out here to um, build up this discussion and this dialogue. I'm sorry that WBC is, a, you know, feels that I am censoring them. I'm not. I'm just not engaging with certain language, and that's my prerogative ultimately. Nice. Um, and but more to the point, you know, women's boxing is is multi-dimensional has many aspects to it. Um, my perspective is that we're always looking to have ways to elevate the sport. And if we don't like the way someone is presenting themselves, we can certainly have that dialogue. Um, and I can understand why people are would, might find Ebony as an example of offensive. To me, you know, she's a woman just very at one with and at peace with her own sexuality and out with her own sense of being, which works for me. Um, and I think that's kind of the point of women's boxing anyway, is women out there just being themselves and practicing a sport they love in a way that they love um, in any way they can, because they yes. kind of need to do the sport. They need Absolutely. that for their own growth and development as human beings. Certainly Absolutely. that's what I've derived from boxing in my own experience in the ring and just working out and sparring and um, haven't had the need to compete. It's too old yeah. when I got into it. But that didn't matter to me. You know, it's just no. about the sport and about the community and that opportunity to support it. Um, is the most meaningful. So I really appreciate your being here to um, give me some opportunity to talk about my love of it. I appreciate that so much. Um, Tony, what's the name of the book, Melissa, and when is it out? Um, so the first book she's already wrote is A History of Women's Boxing. It's um, in the link, also in the description somewhere down here um, to Amazon where you can purchase that one. If you're talking about the new book that's coming out next year, do you have a name for it yet? Uh, the working title is The Promise of Women Boxing, 
And um, you know, we'll see what that comes out with. It'll be published by Roman and Littlefield, the same publisher I have now, uh, sometime sort of latter part of 2022, uh, 2024, sorry. Um, it's due at the publisher at the end of June. Well, hope I make it. <laughs> and then it takes about a year to put it you got out. This. You got this. <laughs> no problem for you, Melissa, you got this. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Um, what lastly um what's the overall message that you would like to leave to all the women boxers out there tuning into the show uh, um as an advocate i always have your back um i love you 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 take my breath away for what you're able to achieve and do in the ring outside of the ring um and it I guess I feel that um, my work in the sport is to be an ally and an advocate mm -hmm. for equity, better treatment, better opportunity. And you're right to just do what you love best, which is box. Yeah, I agree. That's a very good message. Um, and I want to thank you for all the things that you're doing for women's boxing, because um, even just putting out the history of the boxing and um, speaking on all these issues and challenges and everything, um, so, you know, I'm trying to do the same thing. That's why we started this show. Um, I'm mainly focusing too on really just bringing all the BS to light. Like I really want people to really understand what we right. had to go through. Like nobody really, really knows like all the dirt that we had to deal with. Um, yep. And I'm hoping that all I've got, I've got my, Eric, you're going to be so proud of me. Like I've been contacting everybody I talked about being on the show, which I don't have all of them booked yet, but I'm like booked all the way out to in June with interviews. That's amazing. Yes. I have a list. I started a list and I have everybody just stay tuned. Cause there's going to be some amazing people on here, but I am booked all the way out to June. I'm into June booking my shows with people that are going to be on for interviews. Um, but I'm hoping that all of them will be comfortable enough with me since I've been there in their shoes that they will spill all of the dirt and the discrimination and the controversy and the BS that they had to go through because I feel like it's time that all the fans and the current fighters really realize what all from all the way back to the very first boxer all the way to my time and beyond all the steps and the shit that we had to go through to get where we are today. Um, because nobody really talks about, I think on my first show, I talked about one bad experience I had. Um, I don't know if you caught that episode, but I talked about one, one bad experience that I had. Um, there's many, uh, and nobody ever talks about them just because um, I think I said in the first episode, if you guys watched it, when it was about, you know, when I had Mike on interviewing me, um, and I think I talked, I think it was that episode, I talked about one experience that I had in the Garside fight um, and what all took place and inspired in that fight um, and how it, we got to the outcome of that fight. Um, it was completely wrong. Um, I fought that fight. I didn't get responses, but that's just how it goes. But there's a lot of those things that we all have to deal with and people just don't understand or know. Um, 
And I feel it's time that people know. Um, I'm not fighting anymore. I haven't fought in years. You know, people would always say, no, it's just excuses, excuses, excuses. They're not excuses. And that's exactly why I never talked about it prior to now. Um, but I'm hoping that the people I get on the show, I know they've all been through similar, um, have similar stories to mine. Um, and I'm hoping they'll be comfortable enough with me to at least share one story. Um, maybe not all of them, but at least one thing that that happened that was some crap. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of my goal is to just really get the truth out there and for all of the current fighters and future fighters to really see how hard we worked and all the dirty, dirty stuff we went through and kept fighting through to, to help keep growing the sport. Um, Cause it certainly wasn't easy and we went, we put up with a lot of stuff. Um, so that's kind of where I'm going. I mean, I'll give my stories bit by bit as we go on with the show. So everybody keep tuning in. If you really want to know the Brooks story, maybe one day we'll just do a Q and a on me for one of the shows. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where we're going with it. That's the goal. And that's what we're shooting for. And, and just get everybody um, that I can get in contact with. Um, I had a lot of contacts already. Um, so that's where we started and we'll just grow from there. Um, so yeah, hopefully everybody will enjoy it and we'll go from there, but that's what, well, that's what the goal is. Um, I guess before we hop off with that women's boxing channel says, wasn't dissing her at all was opinionated about bridges, getting her boot women's boxing. I asked you to reword, reword it, which you reworded it. I know women's boxing. Nobody backs women more than you. I 100% agree with you. You're in every one of my shows. You're on all of Sugar shows. You definitely know your facts. And you correct us on if we got something wrong. Um, but we're just trying not to disrespect Melissa and how she feels about it. So you didn't use bad language. And we're not censoring the bad language. We're or she wants to censor the degrading comment that you made. Let's just put it that way. She feels like the comment was degrading and she doesn't want to degrade any, any one of the fighters. That's kind of where she went with that. Um, no, I don't, she had, your opinion is fine. I don't think she has a problem with your opinion and I don't think she's disagreeing with your opinion either. I think she sees your point of view. I, I mean, we all see your point of view. We totally understand where you're coming from. Um, I just have enough respect for Melissa. I knew she wouldn't be comfortable with those terms. That's all. Wasn't bad words. Um, oh, thank you very much, Melissa. Great show. Yes, yes, thank yes. You. Okay. I've kept you for long enough, probably two hours now. Um, so I'm going <laughs> to let you go back to your evening. Um, tell the husband <laughs> I said hello. Tell everybody thank I said hello. Thank you so much. I can't wait to see you. Again in October. Did you want to say hi? Yes, I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing you at the at the tenth anniversary. It'll be a fantastic experience, and I'm so yes. grateful that I have coverage to be able to attend. And I'm thrilled, and um, I'm just well, I'm just happy about the whole thing. Really looking forward to it. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Um, the husband is looking forward to it too. He just popped in to say hello to you. Hey, how are you? Hello. Hey, how are how you? Are you? I'm How's good. You, Happy. There we go. Happy to be here. 
Awesome. We're just wrapping it up. So we'll see you uh, this year, right? October. Yeah, absolutely. We are going to have such a blast in Vegas. <laughs> Two days this time. Yeah, we'll try to stay longer. We only did a couple of days. Maybe we might try to do four or five. Oh, that that would be great. Yeah, I usually come in uh, when I, I fly in Thursday, I get in mid afternoon, and then I fly out on Sunday. So, yeah, that's like Thursday. what we did. Okay. Yeah, that's about what we did. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I'm right. looking forward to the extra day and spending time with with. Yeah, everybody. that's what I'm looking forward to is that afternoon and uh, the sixth. Yes, Friday yes. Afternoon. very much so. Just chilling. Um, yeah. yeah, me too. Um, Women's Boxing Channel, Tony, um, everybody over in the comments, Mike, um, thank you. Eric, Eddie. I'm trying to make sure I didn't miss anybody. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in today. Um, Michael, Melinda, right? You got Michael. 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 Michael I'm trying to scroll. Yeah. Michael, Rob. I missed Rob. And Women's Boxing Channel. I appreciate Women's you. Women's Boxing Channel, yes. We appreciate you. Um, Melissa, I will let you hop out. I'm gonna finish up the I'm gonna finish out the show and then I'll be uh, out in a minute. Okay, thank you. All right, thank you, hon. Bye. See Have you. a great night. You too. All right, everybody. Um, once again, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Every everybody. Thank you so much in the comments, everybody that left a comment, um, everybody that chimed in. I appreciate you so much. I love your comments. I love that you guys are asking questions um, and you're participating in the chat. It makes for such, it makes it makes it that much better of a show um, when I have people over there talking with me. Um, once again, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, Melissa is a great, great person. Um, please make sure you like, subscribe down below share the live share this um for everybody to watch um there is a donate button below for those of you that would like to donate to my cause uh for the show appreciated not necessary i just like you being here with me either way um please make sure you can follow me on all my uh, other social media platforms facebook instagram um, TikTok, Twitter, all under, I have two separate pages, y'all. It's Brooke, No Mercy, Deardorf, No Brooke. And there's also my podcast page, of course, No Punches Pulled with No Mercy. Um, thanks again for tuning in. I will see you all again, same time, same place next Tuesday. Everybody say hi to my daughter over here because she wanted to come in and say hi, apparently. This is my daughter. Um, but I will see you guys all again, same time, same place next Tuesday at 8.30 Eastern Standard Time with the next episode of No Punches Pulled and No Mercy. Until then, remember, punch hard because nothing else matters. Bye, guys.